I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you, and you're listening to Reception Perception The Show. All right, so the draft is now in our rear view window, and uh, Matt, uh, a lot of takeaways, especially from the wide receiver position. Yeah, you know, this was labeled as a, a weaker wide receiver class, and obviously we've talked about how, you know, I agreed with that um, in terms of mm-hmm. when you're talking about the top, top prospects. Uh, we didn't see uh, a guy go inside the top 15 picks. I think that's totally fair. Um, but mm-hmm. we did get a really nice receiver run in the, at the end of the first round. And, um, you know, I, I've said this a lot that um, I so much more prefer post-draft analysis of these players than like pre-draft takes. Um, you know, pre-draft <laughs> takes are fun. It's great. Absolutely, but 100%. It, it's so much cleaner to tell you about what to expect from these guys. Yeah. Now that I know what offense they're going to be playing, what system they're going to be playing in, what um, position they're going to be playing in. And, you know, I think inner, inter, inner position position designation at the wide receiver position, a lot of position, but um, it's a, it, it's so key and so important. <laughs> so being able to project that for right. these guys now, instead of hypothetical, but in like the real reality is very nice. All right, so we're talking about uh, four wide receivers that go in the very first round. Uh, the first one off the board, I believe, was uh, JSN, uh, Jackson Smith and Jig, but a Seattle. But we also had Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, and uh, Johnston over to the Chargers. Am I right there? JSN was the first wide receiver off the board, if memory serves? Yep. Yep. Okay, yep. so there JSN you go. Was, JSN uh, was first. It, was, it went JSN, uh, Johnston, Zay Flowers, and then Jordan Addison was the last one. Okay, so JSN, the first wide receiver off the board, but we're going to use this show to talk about best, uh, best to worst fits uh, in the very first round. So JSN was the first wide receiver off the board, but Matt, go ahead and hit the people. He was not necessarily the best fit in the first round, in your opinion. Yeah, and to be clear, I like all of these fits. I think all all of these receiver fits were so good. I think they filled each one of them filled a very, very specific need for, for the team. I think all Mm -hmm. of them made a lot of sense. I think all of these receiver cores are markedly better after these four players went to these four teams in the first round. So it's really like best to 
still good, but just like the others better <laughs> uh, in terms of the rankings here. Okay. But the first one to me, and it, and it goes back to what I was just talking about, it's Jordan Addison to the Minnesota Vikings because, you know, <clears throat> we talked about Addison on the show and the fact that his success mm-hmm. rate versus press was right around 51 52%. Not what you're looking for. You know, I mean, obviously a lot of these prospects were higher than him. I think I really, you know, look, the reality is he's 170, you know, nine, whatever pound receiver, 173 pound receiver at the combine. He's a Mm -hmm. small guy. And, you know, I think the size showed up in his ability to beat press coverage, especially when you're talking about him as a X receiver. Uh, against physical press coverage playing at USC last year and he's running go routes you know nine routes down down the field routes his success rate versus press on those was was low you know it was a struggle for him um again the overall success rate 51.1 percent that's at the 17th percentile for prospects however I care about that a lot less when he's going to be the number two receiver across from one of the best (laughs) receivers on planet earth in Justin Jefferson who's going to consistently get bracketed who's going to consistently run as the x receiver against press coverage on the outside like if you're going cover two something like that you're gonna you're gonna have just incredible free releases incredible zone coverage looks for a guy like jordan addison and that's really what he specializes in that is just such a a great fit you know a few people have brought the stats that like Adam Thielen was top five in routes run last year, just ran a ton of routes and had about 700 yards, you know, as, right. as that number two outside receiver for the Vikings. I think they just got a huge upgrade in Jordan Addison. Okay. So the big question with Jordan Addison, he's 5'11, 173 pounds. That's what he weighed in at the combine. I, as a matter of fact, I think it's fair to assume he might actually, uh, his playing weight might actually be lower. Uh, this guy might yeah. dip below 170 in terms of playing weight, which is just, I mean, that's bonkers to me, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he ran, and again, he, he ran a 4.4940 with a 34-inch vertical. If that sounds average, but listen, that's below average, as a matter of fact. For <laughs> for a player of his size to run a 4.4.9 and have a 34-inch vertical playing in the NFL, oh, my goodness, it hurts the soul, uh, honestly, as a, as a metrics guy, uh, to be looking at numbers like that. But we know this, 2021 at Pitt, extremely productive, right? A hundred receptions, nearly 1600 yards, 17 touchdowns uh, for Jordan Addison. 2022 uh, took a little bit of a step back, right? 59 catches, Mm -hmm. 875, eight touchdowns, despite playing with Caleb Williams, who had 4,500 yards passing and 42 passing touchdowns. So uh, a little bit of a step back here for Jordan Addison. Uh, athletic profile wise, uh, and, and you know, honestly, just kind of sort of game tape wise, doesn't really profile as a number one wide receiver. But in Minnesota, you bring up the name Adam Thielen. Okay, now, uh, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of targets to be had. We know Hawkinson's probably gonna you know vacuum in a ton of targets himself. But my major question for you, Matt Harmon, can Jordan Addison? We know he can play inside. Can play a little flanker as well. Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of what we, the differences between his production at Pitt and his production at USC can be explained by his role. You know, I mentioned that at USC, they lined him up on the line of scrimmage on 58.3% of his sample snaps for reception perception. He was an outside right receiver uh, on 67.8%, just a 24.8% slot player in the game sampled. At Pitt, he was more off the line. He was a slot receiver for Kenny Pickett, who, you know, um, and again, when he was operating outside, he was definitely doing much more flanker work for the for the Pittsburgh Panthers. And he was someone who, 
was great at working those deep and intermediate in-breaking routes as a flanker, I think that's going to be his best role. Like, again, when you line up and you're probably lining up Justin Jefferson, again, you're, you're going to maybe bracket him. You're at least going to have cover two on that side of the field. You know, you're going to have a man coverage corner with a safety over the top. You're probably going to get a lot of single zone coverage, single man coverage on the other side of the field with Jordan Addison, and he's going to get that free release as the flanker. That's the key thing here. If he's able to, even if like you bring him off as the a deep, an out, deep outside flanker and you bring him closer to that slot receiver, being able to confuse the corner there with a, an outbreaking route from the from the slot player, in breaking route from Jordan Addison, I think that's going to get him free enough to be a flanker receiver. Um, you know, it's not too dissimilar to the player I compared him to, which was Jahan Dotson. You know, um, right? Dotson uh, played a lot as an outside flanker last year, even though I do think his best stuff probably comes long term from the slot. All right, so Jordan Addison um, wasn't your top prospect, uh, but uh, you know you consider you you had him in your top five. Now he goes to Minnesota. I think from just an impact standpoint, I think it's pretty fair to say, and it's pretty obvious really to say that uh, as a rookie wide receiver, this guy's got the best chance I think to make the biggest impact. Just because, my God, the 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 availability of targets there in Minnesota is just wide open. Yeah, I think he's got the best chance to be the most productive rookie receiver right away um, Mm -hmm. because of what we just talked about with Justin Jefferson is never going to cede volume to Jordan Addison because Justin Jefferson is just so good. But um, the Adam Thielen role that's vacated. Look, I think KJ Osborne is a is a nice player, but is probably a guy that would be over his skis as a true number two receiver. So right. he's not going to command a ton of volume. I, I, and look, Kirk Cousins, think what you want of Kirk Cousins. He can get guys to football, you know, um, mm-hmm. man, he, <laughs> I think he's going to really like Jordan Addison as a safety valve, you know, even when Justin Jefferson has some of those tough coverage looks that he doesn't want to thread that needle, you know, Jordan Addison working against his own coverage, you know, in breaking routes, his, his, his slant route success rate, 92.3% curl rod, 82.9%. His dig route success rate. This is, un, you know, absurd. 89.5% um, on dig routes. <laughs> right. That middle of the field stuff is such a comfortable bucket for Kirk cousins, especially in this offense, when you're working off play action, when you're working with pre-snap right. motion, I think Jordan Addison is probably gonna be their, their primary pre-snap motion player. Um, I think that he's got a great shot for, you know, to even push for like a thousand yards. I think he could be a thousand yard player as a rookie. Maybe um, that's not what you'd project him to, but I think he has that ceiling. Um, you know, maybe not a high, high touchdown player, but um, yeah, right. I, I think that he's he's just he's just like a solid number two receiver in the NFL, and that is literally how he was what he was drafted to be for this team, yep. which is why I love this fit so much. So yeah, I think right now if you had to if you had to bet it, he would be the betting favorite to be the most productive rookie receiver, even though he was the last one drafted in the first round. Yeah. Okay. So then we go to Baltimore and right before the draft, you know, Lamar Jackson uh, is able to work out a contract there, uh, making him, I believe the highest paid quarterback, uh, highest paid player in the NFL, a lot of guaranteed money as well, basically. trauma and that's i gotta be honest with you though man um i know we're talking wide receivers here but i was i was disappointed uh i think lamar jackson had all the leverage in the world um against baltimore now they listen they could have been down a path of mutually assured destruction okay and i and i recognize (laughs) that um but the the fact the matter remains baltimore if they didn't have this guy they're in the weeds, man. And, and Baltimore and, and for Lamar Jackson, again, we talk about mutually assured destruction. Uh, the, the, clearly the suitors were not there for him. 
you know, uh, Baltimore said, Hey, go and find somebody. And, and he found no dance partners. Right. So, um, it was a little bit of, they were both a little bit stuck there, but ultimately I did think that Lamar had a little bit of leverage there. I, I'm actually surprised, uh, that he did not either get more guaranteed contract. I, I thought the, the, I thought the contract structure is, is pretty team friendly as well. And that's the thing. It's like, why is it, why in the world is it even team friendly? I mean, if you wanted a fully guaranteed contract, I mean, at least make it, you know, I don't want to say painful for Baltimore, but golly, they, they must look at that contract and be like, yeah, let, let's make that deal. You know, I mean, you're going to outplay this contract in terms of quarterback market in two, in two years, you know, it's, it's a great deal. I thought for Baltimore now it's now from, from a, you know, again, from a, optic standpoint, Lamar did well, no agent, you know, doesn't have to pay those fees, uh, and still made a lot of money. So, so it's good for him. But again, just, just me, just spitballing here. I I thought he could have gotten more guaranteed money, uh, and it didn't have to necessarily be as team friendly as it was. Um, you know, we all have like, we've all had that friend or have that friend in our life that like, you know, tells you like, I'm done with my girl or I'm done with the boy. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm done yeah, with them. Yeah. They've treated me yeah, wrong yeah, and yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm done yeah. with them. And, right. and, and you just know in the back of my, your mind, like, no, you're not, you're, you're going right back to them. You, you'll be back. You can't, you say that you're done, but you're not done. Yeah. And I think yeah, honestly, yeah. that's yeah. what a lot of this, because sometimes too, it's like, you're not doing Number one, you're not going to do any better. Okay. So I think that's kind of what the situation that Lamar found himself in with the Ravens, which like, you know, he put out the trade requests and all that, but like, right. Was still negotiating with the team. I think these two, these two, these two, these two, these two were never really going to break up because like you said, mm-hmm. um, Lamar, you know, didn't have another suitor. Like you get a If you are like Deshaun Watson or, or Kirk cousins, when he had free agency, like you're a true blue free agent, you're truly available to anybody then and your current team is done with you and you're done with your current team it's it's possible to get you have that leverage to get the the fully guaranteed deal but i think because everybody knew that whatever nobody was going to give him a fully guaranteed deal they didn't want to do it like the most recent time it's it's those two examples have not been great i mean kirk cousins has been fine with minnesota but they're they're they've just now broken the cycle they signed him what after the 2017 season they've just now broken the cycle of like we extend Kirk every year and we kick the can down the road every year <laughs> on a, on an average starting or like slightly yeah. above average starting quarterback. And obviously the Watson thing didn't go well in its first year. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of other blowback, but um, yeah, I, I just think like nobody was going to give him that guaranteed deal. And then nobody was going to draw up an offer sheet for the Ravens that they knew the Ravens were just going to match because they wanted Lamar. And I think Lamar truly didn't really want to leave. So I think it's just one of those things where it was like a fun fantasy, but in the end, the the most rational outcome happened, which is just what happens with every quarterback deal is, oh, who signed the most recent one? Jalen Hurts. Well, just tack a little more extra money on that, and basically exactly. you, you get that deal. So it's yeah, it's exactly. kind of and honestly, I I just think in the with, with getting into the day flowers thing, like. I want to see Lamar in this offense with this receiver core. This is going to be fun, and I think Lamar wanted to play with this team right now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let me say one last thing, uh, and then we'll move on to um, Zay Flowers. But I, I, I'm surprised that a team did not come through. And in particular, I would have loved to see New England come through oh, and, yeah, and well, offer yes. Lamar a fully guaranteed four-year deal um, for, you know, four-year deal for what, what's he making? Yeah, so, like, we'll give him $200 million straight up. Fully guaranteed. 
and and just dare the Baltimore Ravens to turn that down. You know what I'm saying? Because then uh, they would match. Right. Yeah, great. So then so then we get Lamar in Bill <laughs> O'Brien's offense with Devontae <laughs> Parker and Juju. <laughs> oh but God. see, it's the but see, it's the it's the thought that New England would say there's no way they're not going to match. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, if well, they did true. a if they did a five year, two hundred fifty million dollar deal. OK, there's a possibility. Uh, Baltimore doesn't match, but you go four year, 200 mil, uh, all of a sudden, uh, I don't think Baltimore walks away from that deal. And then, you know, you know, and then Lamar ends up getting what he wants anyways. I'm just, I'm just surprised that New England yeah. didn't put the, the pressure on Baltimore or some other team didn't put the pressure on Baltimore, uh, to, to sign one of those guaranteed contracts. But then again, that's why they're whispering collusion. That's why they're yes, whispering yeah, collusion. Right, right. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. This it's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. I really honestly thought, going into the draft, Matt, that because they signed Lamar to this big deal, uh, that they were going to do what all these other teams do, which is, all right, well, we just paid your quarterback, so now go make, you know, uh, you know, go make magic happen with this second-rate, you know, receiver core. That's not what they did. I was actually surprised. They Baltimore actually tried to now then support the guys they invested in with more assets, which I love to see. They go and turn pick number 23 uh, or 22 or whatever it was into Zay Flowers out of Boston College. And I thought, man, that was a great pick. Yeah, man. Um, Zay Flowers was my receiver too in this class. And I'm such a big fan of him and I'm such a big fan with this fit. And look, if you're out there right now and you're, you're upset about Ravens receiver, whatever, this team's not going to be thrown for like 5,000 yards or something like that. 
But this is a new era of Ravens football with Lamar Jackson. Um, for one, we know they've hired Todd Monken as the offensive coordinator. Um, Greg Roman, I think the passing concepts like th- this is what happens in a Greg Roman offense. We saw it in San Francisco. We saw it in Buffalo. And that's why everybody eventually moves on. Like he can get you started, but he can't get you all the way basically because mm-hmm. the passing concepts go stale. Todd Monken, meanwhile, you know, we've, he did great work at the collegiate level and with the run heavy team in Georgia. But like when he's been an NFL p- passing game specialist, been in a, you know, his air raid background back to his early, early collegiate days. And then, in the NFL, he's been like a pass-heavy coach. He's been a guy who runs really aggressive downfield passing offenses. Obviously, we think about that. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you know, it was a bit of a Freddie Kitchens-led disaster in Cleveland, but that was a downfield, <laughs> trying to be a downfield right. passing offense there. Um, overall, just look, it's it's just going to be night and day from, from, from the passing game concepts of Greg Roman to the passing game concepts of Todd Monken. That's huge. But then you just look at this receiver core. Zay Flowers. Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman, uh, you know, Devin Duvernay is maybe like their fourth receiver. He was going into the season as their number two receiver last year. Mm-hmm. And Devin Duvernay is right. like a nice little gadgety kind of player, but he's not like a legit every down receiver. So Zay Flowers joins this group. And again, big fan of Zay Flowers. Um, his 73.1% success rate versus man was awesome. 80.6% against zone. 72.7% against press coverage. Man, I mean, just... Look, I talked a lot about Zay Flowers on the show and how big of a fan I was. Despite his size, he shows you an ability to play all three receiver positions, to get open at all three receiver positions, to be a guy who beats press coverage on the outside despite being a smaller player. It's it's hard to not get really excited about his fit here, especially from a vertical sense. You know, you look at his route tree right. success rate on reception perception. Big time success rate on nines, posts, uh, right around average success rate on corner routes. That ability to get downfield is going to be what it makes is a differentiating factor, I think, between um, Zay Flowers and some of the other guys we've seen take snaps for this team recently. Um, and 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 man, the <laughs> you, you what gets me really excited is about this receiver trio together. Um, think about these receiver rooms with Lamar in the Ravens, you know, it's like Sammy Watkins twice. Michael Crabtree has been here on his last legs. Demarcus Robinson was taking big time snaps. <laughs> and so like I put it uh-huh. out on Twitter. It's like, I'm ready to have my heart broken by injuries. Cause you For know, sure. we've got Beckham and Bateman. They're obviously huge health question marks, but most recent reception perception success rates for all three of these guys. Um, Zay flowers, obviously I just mentioned 73.1% Odell Beckham, 72.3% in 2021 Rashad Bateman in 2021, 72.7% success rate versus man coverage. All of them in that most recent season, 80% or better against zone coverage, all of them over 70% success rate versus press. Like I, that's a great, again, I'm ready to have my heart broken by injuries. I understand Bateman needs to stay healthy. Beckham, obviously we don't know what he has left, but the last time we saw these guys play is there. It's been good potential from all of them. This could be an incredible receiver trio. And I think all three of these guys, like James, where, where do you think Odell Beckham takes most of his snaps? Where do you think Bateman takes most of his snaps or flowers? Like, I think all of them could line up anywhere. Yeah. That's what makes them very versatile, right? They're, they're very multiple. Uh, I think Bateman probably needs to line up mostly outside. That's fine. But Odell, I think we've seen, he can move around. Um, and at this point in his career, too, relying on him, I think, to be a true number one is, is a mistake. Agreed. Um, 
but we don't know what the injury situation is. He didn't play football last year. Uh, and so that is a little bit of a concern as well. But on paper, Matt, you're right. There's a lot to really, really like, uh, especially with now with the addition of Zay Flowers. I think he just adds a little bit of oomph, a little bit of juice uh, to that wide receiver core. Can you talk about, okay, so you look at Odell Beckham, uh, you know, he's the slant king. Uh, he could play a little bit outside. We kick him inside, play inside as well. Bateman, I think, uh, profiles primarily as a, some kind of outside receiver. I don't know if he's a true X, uh, especially after the injury, but certainly he can line up outside. Uh, what can Zay Flowers do? Uh, look, I, I love his, you know, uh, when the ball gets in his hands, uh, but what can this guy do to kind of sort of get open? Where does he, where does he live? Where does he succeed? And what does he bring to the Baltimore Ravens offense? Yeah, um, he went down on first contact on just 48.7% of his in-space attempts. You know, he broke multiple tackles on 15.4%. So you're right, he's a yak weapon. And and I think for that reason, he probably profiles best as a slot. Um, and again, the, the success rate on short routes is really high too. You know, uh, good on slants, good on flat routes. It's just really what he does on, on curls and like some more vertical routes that makes you think like, yeah, he could be – like I compared him to Deontay Johnson in this way that he can be like an outside, despite it being a smaller guy, could hack it as an outside X receiver, which is what we've seen from Deontay. And, and I think Deontay's a mistake prone player. Zay Flowers can be a bit of a mistake prone player as well. Um, maybe not quite as extreme, but you know, I, I think like I think the verticality of his game and some of the what he can do when when you get him a free release, even though he's really good against press, is what I think makes him a really great fit for this offense. Cause like Lamar loves to work on like deep post routes. Lamar loves like he's a better over the middle passer than he is deep outside the numbers. And I think like from an ideal alignment perspective, I agree that like you don't want Odell Beckham to be your number one, you know, receiver. He doesn't really have to be in this offense. I think he's probably like what he was with the Rams last time we saw him was a true backside X receiver who could run like backside digs, get open against press man coverage while Cooper cup, was the front side player. Uh, it's like, okay, they've taken away Cooper cup. Like I know my backside receiver here in Odell Beckham as a true X is, is going to get open against press man coverage which is what he did really well with the, with the Rams and even with the Cleveland Browns. And then you have like, yeah, I think Rashad Bateman could be your flanker. Um, mm -hmm. you know, he's been, he's been good in the NFL. I, I think Bateman is so misunderstood that he's been this like bad player. He's just been, so banged up and then right. um then zay flowers yeah could be your slot receiver so that's a really good three receiver set and oh by the way they also have mark andrews too who's oh yeah by the way yeah. mark by the way <laughs> so i don't know man i i think like i you could tell me that odell beckham leads the team and catches yards and touchdowns you could tell me that rashad bateman leads the team and like wide receivers you know maybe mark andrews yeah it's gonna be mark andrews across the board right. let's be real right right but but like okay you tell me obj leads the team yeah. leads the wide receiver room in yards catches touchdowns i could believe it you tell me it's flowers i could believe it you could tell me it's bateman mm. i could believe it like i think these guys are all really good and are really set up to to complement each other all right so so we love the pick um in real life purposes but can can i throw out some disgusting stats for you here that uh, may give some people out there pause. And listen, this show, we talk about it all the time. This show really straddles the line between real football and fantasy football. We talk about stats. We talk about fantasy and production. But, man, we just love to just talk about real-life ball um, as well. But I'll, I'll throw out some a couple stats here that are a little bit disgusting. Uh, <laughs> last year, Baltimore threw to wide receivers in the slot. Not players in the slot, but wide receivers in the slot a league low 
you're not going to believe this number, but they were the league low by a wide margin. They only threw to wide receivers in the slot 47 times last year. Total. Total. Oh my God. Second lowest was Atlanta, and we know Atlanta for the first half of the year, maybe the first 12 games, they, they didn't throw the ball, period. Yeah. Okay. And they were they were at 78 targets to wide receivers lined up in the slot. That's, I that's mean, crazy. you know, uh, that's crazy. So Baltimore under uh, in uh, in their previous OC regime did not throw to wide receivers in the slot. Now, look, I get it. There's a lot to be said about Mark Andrews lining up inside and getting those kind of interior targets. I get that. But 47 targets, man. <laughs> 47 all year long to wide receivers in the slot. Come on, man. That is crazy. Um, I just wonder what Todd Munkin's offense is going to look like. I think they're going to open it up a little bit more. Um, and the other thing too, Matt, uh, and this is another disgusting stat, um, but of the 32 teams uh, in the NFL, do, do you remember the NFLPA um, player report cards that came out about, oh, I don't know, probably oh, yes. a couple months ago? Yes. The Baltimore yes. Ravens ranked their strength coaches an F minus dead last 32 out of 32 teams. They ranked the players themselves ranked their own strength coaches an F minus. And now that goes back to you, you think about all the injuries that have piled up. Um, and actually this off season, uh, the team did part ways with their strength coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so there will be some new strength coaches in there. Uh, for 2023. So we're going to see how, you know, um, the injury situation kind of sort of plays out. But uh, this team, man, has been one of the most injury ridden teams in the NFL. Um, There's been a lot of question marks around their strength coaches and and the players themselves. They're telling you their strength coaches are ass. (laughs) And that's how bad it is. F minus grade. From the Baltimore Ravens players, man, like that is crazy, dude. Uh, By the way, uh, this is from the NFLPA. 30 of the 32 teams gave their strength coaches positive reviews. Baltimore was only one of two teams that, um, you know, was was in the bottom tier. They're the only team uh, to give their 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 strength coaches an F minus. That's that's how bad uh, it was in Baltimore. Yeah. um, You know, it was like not only do the players tell you through that. survey but after the survey came out a ton of former you know Ravens players even and Rashad Bateman too when Eric DaCosta is like yep. yeah you know we haven't had recent success with receivers and stuff like that you know he in a sense deleted all the tweets but he fired back and was like how about you focus on keeping us healthy and all this stuff you know like <laughs> right. he's been banged up ever since he got there after not being like a banged up player at Minnesota um you know a ton of like former Ravens players you know Matthew Judon said like I, yeah I've been told like told them to fire him fire this guy Derek Wolf who who went up with the he retired and he's you know he said the Ravens strength staff was terrible Carl Davis said I was definitely a victim of the strength coaches two labrums multiple pec tears and the crazy part is uh dog went on and said I wasn't working hard and I was being rebellious you know oh my god um Bam Bradley uh said like five month (laughs) post ACL unsuccessfully doing the same workouts as people with healthy knees never sat right with me uh Quincy um Adeobo I'm probably butchering his name but definitely said definitely ruined my career three season ending injuries in a row after being healthy my entire career prior so yeah I mean maybe 
and I'm not equating what Greg Roman was doing to whatever, you know, I think it was Steve Saunders was the guy, you know, yeah, he had Steve some, Saunders, they yeah. had a huge like COVID vi- outbreak. Remember that whole thing? Like they had a huge COVID outbreak because of stuff with, with Saunders. Um, so I'm not equating Greg Roman to that, but maybe if we get Greg Roman's offense out of there and we get this Looney Tunes strength uh, coach, <laughs> we can keep the Ravens healthy. We can keep them on the what? field and we keep the on-field product much better than it used to be. Like what the actual fuck, man? Like it doesn't make sense. Like if you're the Ravens, why are you holding on to stupid Steve? Son- Who cares? He's a freaking strength coach. Like your players tell you this guy's trash, dude. Like what is going on? It doesn't, it don't make no sense, man. I don't understand. Yeah. Anyways. I was, I was, hope- I, it's a crazy too. Like the, you know, I was listening to like a, something Pat McAfee said about this. where like, you know, you, the strength, the strength and conditioning coach and like the training staff has to be like the most well-liked person. Um, they have to be like the most well-liked people on the team because everybody that's banged up, everybody that's injured is in a bad mood. Like, and if you're making that worse, like, cause they're not only like, they're not playing, they're not, you know, that's frustrating. And somebody else is playing ahead of them. That's frustrating. Yep. And like, if you're in there making it worse, like, yeah, you can just rot the whole team from the core. So it is crazy that this went on for so long with the so Ravens. Insane. All right. So Jordan Addison, best fit for you in the first round, Zay Flowers, second best fit for you in the first round, but the first player taken first wide receiver taken off the board was actually Jackson Smith and Jigba to Seattle. You've got him there with the third best fit of the players there in the first round. Explain. Yeah. I'm not, I look, I, I love JSN to the Seahawks and I think me too. This might be the most complimentary wide receiver trio in the entire NFL. Like, Oh my gosh. What, yes. Right. Because like what DK Metcalf does so well as a X receiver who is a press man coverage beater, he's not that great against zone coverage, but he a press man coverage beater and is going to, um, win on vertical routes is going to win on slant routes. And I mean, he's more of a full field player than he used to be, but I mean, he's still again, a linear X receiver Tyler mm-hmm. Lockett, you know, he can win out of the slot, but he's more of like a vertical slot receiver when he's in there. And then we know he's a full field route runner as an outside receiver as well, based on reception perception. Um, and, and then you get JSN who like gives you so much as a slot, you know, gives you so much in that right. intermediate area, so much like of the layup routes that I think, because the route trees for Lockett and Metcalf are so vertical based. Now you're going to have DK Metcalf dictating coverages on the outside. You're going to have Tyler Lockett dictating coverages on the outside. And then you have uh, damn JSN working with so much space in the middle. That's just a great fit as well. So I, I love Jackson Smith, the Jigba there to give Geno Smith more of a layup route presence. Um, right. And they were getting, they're obviously getting nothing, nothing, nothing out of the third receiver position the last few years. So this wide receiver trio is is set up to be um, one of the very best very, very soon in the NFL. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great, great room. So what an investment, too, by the Seahawks in like a, you know, I know. a, a wide receiver trio. I mean, they ended up taking another running back in the second round, so I'm, you know, can't give them too much credit. But um, <laughs> Pete Carroll still committing to the bit in yeah. some ways, but that three-receiver set is really awesome. You know, uh, again, you take a look at D- DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and, and- – uh, look, you, you have pounded the table talking about Tyler Lockett being underrated throughout his entire career. He might, I mean, legitimately, he's he's probably the most underrated player um, in the NFL. Uh, he's a legitimate, like, you know, superstar downfield. He could run every route. Uh, he's just productive as all get out. Doesn't matter who his quarterback is. 
Guy's just a consummate professional. You've never heard anyone say a bad thing about Tyler Lockett ever. He makes yeah, spectacular stuff. catches. I, I mean, the guy does it all. He's just not a household name. You know, yeah. it's it's and it's weird. It doesn't really make all that much sense. OK, now that being said, this is a guy that has floated outside inside. He's play, played a lot of speed slot because he can. Uh, you know, he, li- he can live inside. He, he primarily plays outside, but last year he was kind of basically a 65, 35 outside inside. So about 35% of his snaps, uh, were taken inside. You take a look at JSN and his role on this team. Now I'm not saying they're going to run just exclusively 11 personnel, uh, but it seems like Matt, they would need to go to 11 personnel for JSN to see the field. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably, you would think you 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 have two of these guys Metcalf and Lockett on long term contracts. Um, yeah. Lockett might be coming up soon at some point, but you know you have these on multiple year deals, and then you take a receiver in the first round. You're not just going to take a first round pick and sit him on the bench, you know, especially when mm-hmm. you're in a really interesting window with Geno Smith, and um, I think they, I think the Seahawks would be one of like the the four best teams in the NFC right now with just how well set up they are um, from a talent perspective. So yeah, I, I definitely see them going more towards 11 personnel to get JSN on the field. And um, I, I wonder if how much he and Lockett alternate the slot position. Um, Cause you know, you're definitely not putting Metcalf in the slot. It's just not his game. Uh, so how often will we see JSN as a slot versus as the flanker? And then obviously vice versa for Tyler Lockett. And um, you know, I, I guarantee you now from like, yeah, you mentioned fantasy football earlier. Like I, I guarantee you, like from a fantasy perspective, people are going to be like, well, Tyler Lockett's going to lose a big target share to JSN. And then like <laughs> DK Metcalf will probably lose the bigger target share. Cause like, yeah. tell me, tell me why That's Lockett's funny. not a better player than DK Metcalf. I know he's older, whatever lock, uh, you know, DK Metcalf's got the size and all that stuff. But I mean, it just consistently as, or more productive than DK Metcalf through the course of his career. Cause no, he's right. a, he's a better separator, you know, he just, that's not, and that's not even a shade to DK Metcalf. It's just like how good Tyler Lockett is. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can't wait to see how these guys line up. It's going to be really fascinating, but I, I love the fit of JSN here is like, it's just, I love when receiver cores are, you know, built to complement like all these guys to complement each other. And I think this one does that really well. I think what I said on draft night, what I tweeted out was like, look, I love the pick in real life fantasy. I'm not interested in, in Jackson Smith and Jigba at all, like 0%. He's got two superstar wide receivers in front of him. Um, you know, it's, it's Seattle's middle of the pack in terms of total pass attempts. Um, and I, I just don't even know how much he's going to see the field. Hey, we talk about 11 personnel percentage wise. Um, Seattle actually ran 11 personnel um, at the, what is it? The uh, seventh lowest rate in the NFL. I don't think just given Pete Carroll, I don't think they're going to reconfigure that that much, to be honest with you. And I get it. They spent a first round pick uh, on a highly productive player from a big school uh, from a big school. And and again, they spent really high draft capital on him. But uh, Pete is Pete, man. I I just yeah, I I don't see him changing it uh, too often. And by the way, who's to say he's wrong? Listen, this guy. This guy absolutely resurrected Geno Smith's career. And now that we take a look back with a, you know, hindsight's 2020, but you take a look at, you know, um, Russell Wilson's career with that lens on, I think you could absolutely make the, the argument um, that Pete also basically made Russell Wilson into what he was as well, you know? So, I don't know, man. Like, like I would love to see JSN on the field and, and, and like for Seattle to open it up, but 
bro, we've been saying that for like a decade plus. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Pete Carroll has a fundamental philosophy. That's uh, play strong, de- try to play strong defense, which obviously has failed miserably over the last five, six years. Uh, but he wants to play <laughs> some stronger defense. And you know what? When he doesn't have a good defense, and even if he does have a good defense, uh, he wants to limit their exposure by trying to run the ball and drain the clock a little bit. So, and again, listen, there's a lot of different philosophies out there, but I just think it's interesting. Like Pete Carroll has this, you know, he, he's got this old school mentality, but I do think that he tries to protect his defense just a little bit uh, by trying to run that clock and drain the ball, man. So uh, I'll be interested. I will be interested to see uh, where how much JSN actually plays in his rookie campaign and how much of a, a more of a, a look forward. You talk about the contracts and the age and stuff like that for Lockett. Uh, I just wonder how much of this is trying to protect uh, their future you know, offensive capabilities as well. Yeah, it's a good point. And like, I don't think you ever want Gino as much as Gino showed you last year. I don't think you want him out there. Like, all right, you've got DK Metcalf and D Eskridge as your number two receiver, or, you know, you want to just make Gino's life as easy as possible. Right. Um, and I think this helps do that. And yeah, you're right. Even last year when they were really good, like in the first few weeks of the season, 28, 30, 44, 30, 25, 31, 27, that's the first seven weeks. That's their pass attempts for Geno Smith. So it's never like they were really cranking it up. It just not getting Metcalf for good. Cause there was nobody else to really de- dedicate targets to. Now there is, I will say though, you know, Shane Waldron's the offensive coordinator here. I think Shane Waldron was really good with Geno last year. Geno was really good running oh, that yeah. like Shanahan style offense. And we have at least seen, you know, Waldron comes from the Rams, Sean McVay. We've seen Sean McVay flip identities between, and Waldron was on the staff between like a heavy two tight end team with Gerald Everett and um, Tyler Higby to like when they'd open it up as like a full 11 personnel team. So right. um, maybe we see a similar shift with Seattle. Their draft picks would indicate that. But again, they didn't take another damn running back in the second round. Zach Charbonnet uh, at <laughs> a UCLA, Zach Charbonnet, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, I. That's gonna I the, the 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 knives and forks and and swords and shields already out on fantasy Twitter with Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker, and I, I'll tell you what, I'll be participating in none of those discussions. Yeah, I got people. <laughs> I've got people. Ta- I've got people tagging me. Um, why, why are they tagging you? What's going on here? No, no, no I've got people tagging me in like a. Dove Kleinman, you know, the insider, Uh insider and, you know, the the aggregator on Twitter, the NFL news, whatever. They got people tagging me in like this Jalen Hyatt video he posted with and people like explain your process. Like, "Uh, no, I will not be. I'm not going to be on Twitter arguing in Dove Kleinman's mentions. Jesus, I got a I got a life. I got enough going on. I will not be. I will. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Oh, my God. What what are you going to? Are you serious? You're you're asking another you know evaluator to to explain himself in someone else's mentions. What's wrong with you guys out there on Twitter, man? This is craziness. Um, that's funny. It. That's great. Uh, is this is this the clip where they said uh, there was a coach that that was talking to Jalen Hyatt? We're we're getting off the rails here, but uh, it's like, oh, you know, you're just about speed, and Jalen's like, oh, no, 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 no. I, and he was talking about his route running ability. Yes, correct. Okay. All right. Well. We'll I mean, we'll cover it on the Hyatt section. We'll in the cover next it on podcast. the Hyatt section. Yeah, next podcast. We'll break, Which, by the we'll way, break. If you're listening, uh, listening to us. I know uh, for our our loyal fans, uh, you know that uh, during the off season we only have one show, but the draft is so big and uh, there's so many moving parts, man. We we felt like we had to do two shows this week. So look for another episode um, tomorrow as well. So that will be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, listen, I, 
anyone who's saying, explain yourself, Matt Harmon, bro, just, what are you talking about? Just go turn on like a Tennessee game. Like it's not, it's right there for you. It's right there for you. I mean, how are you going to look at Jalen High and be like, yeah, this guy's an exquisite route runner. Get the, get out of here, dude. It's, it's so, I'm not a wide receiver of value, but it's so obvious. It's so obvious, you know, like, what are you yeah. talking about? It's, it's Which is why he went in the third round, not the first round where people were like mocking him. So, but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll on, talk, we'll on. talk, we'll do an in-depth breakdown on the we Dove will. Kleinman video that he tweeted right. out love tomorrow. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. The Chargers uh, ended up taking uh, Quentin Johnston uh, at a TCU. Uh, 6'3", 210 pounds, ran a 4'5", uh, and also has a 40-inch vertical. Um, i got to be honest with you, Matt. I didn't love the pick. Um, mm. I didn't love the pick. And, and I know that you said, oh, hey, uh, you, you like the fit for all these wide receivers in the first round. This is the one I kind of sort of did not like. And I'll explain. Um, and then you can you know, kind of sort of tell me why I'm wrong. But sure. I thought that the Chargers desperately needed team speed. Um, and Quentin Johnson running a 4-5 at his size is fine. Uh, listen, that's really good, as a matter of fact. Um, but that's not the team speed that I think that they needed. I think they needed somebody who r- runs a low 4-4 um, and can just clear out, um, do some clear out routes where, you know, again, maybe they're doing the whole track thing but like you know you got to clear out inside uh for keenan allen open up the field a little bit for mike williams um you know quentin johnson i think is a good player i think he's a fine player i just i just question the fit man um and again i heard on on multiple broadcasts that like oh you know they're worried about injuries like guys what Listen, man, we, we, we cannot be in the offseason worried about injuries here. You know, like don't make first round picks based off of like injury concerns. That's crazy talk. Um, you know, you, you got to come in with some optimism here that, that everyone's going to stay healthy. Uh, if Quentin Johnson is the number three uh, and, I, you know, obviously he, he's going to be given his draft capital. Uh, tell me why this fit actually does make some sense here for the Chargers. Well, you know, it gets my guy Josh Palmer off the field. So <laughs> okay, well there you go. <laughs> no. there you um, go. Ser- seriously though, uh, I think when you look at, I agree with you that I think that they definitely need some speed, and I think you know they actually took Quinton Johnson's teammate Darius Davis um, out mm-hmm. of TCU, a smaller guy with 
like sub four four speed. Uh, and you know, so he can maybe be their new Jalen Guyton. Like every three games, Justin Herbert throws him like a ridiculous post route or something yes. like that. <laughs> so he can maybe he can be that guy. But I agree with you that like, look, they, the more team speed would be great. But I do think Quinton Johnson brings them downfield ability. You know, when I mentioned in in his reception perception profile, he's has an eighty fifth percentile success rate versus man coverage. Um. Now that only comes on a small handful of routes, like slants, right. post goes, stuff like that. But I do think go routes and post routes with which Quinton Johnson's pretty good on. You want that at this point. And like, I think he's a guy that's going to be need, need to be brought along slowly. And as the number three re- receiver behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, that's great. Like I think for him to be brought along slowly will be good there and, and they can get his, get use of his yak skills, which I don't think they've had enough of that. You know, like, I love Keenan Allen, but he's not a yak guy. Like Josh no. Palmer, not a yak guy. You know, they would throw Josh Palmer crossing routes. And it's like one, two down. Uh, like I think <laughs> Quinton Johnson can bring them even right. Mike Williams. Like I, uh, you know, Austin Eckler has told me that like he, he has always fought to like get more yak plays in the offense. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it just doesn't happen for one reason or another. Like Mike Williams wants to be like more of a yak guy or whatever, but I think Quinton Johnson is more of a yak guy. He'll be used that way. Um, I like Kellen Moore's offense. I like his fit there. They're definitely a, you know, will be a three receiver offense. And I think that's going to be a good fit for, for Quinton Johnson. But yeah, I, I would have preferred somebody, you know, if I'm nitpicking, yeah, I would have probably preferred like a, a speedier guy, somebody with more full field separation ability for Justin Herbert. Cause it's like, not even so much the lack of speed because Keenan Allen's a great separator, but Mike Williams is like a, a downfield contested guy. And like, you know, he can separate a little bit, but he's like an average separator. Josh Palmer is one of the worst separators in the league. I think it might take a couple of years for Quinton Johnson. If he does develop into being like a legit full field separator. So that's the one thing I have a little like, you know, 12th percentile success rate versus zone for Quinton Johnson. Like that's got to get better. Like the, the, the overall route running has to get better. Um, so that's the one thing I have. Um, and, and, you know, I do think though, like when you're thinking about Mike Williams as a vertical receiver and, um, Quinta Johnson as a vertical receiver, like Johnson's a long strider. He can get down the field a little bit more, um, than I think these other guys right now. So my, my problem too is, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but man, I just feel like I look at Quentin Johnson. I look at Mike Williams. I feel, I feel like there's some redundancy here, you know? Um, I know. I know Quentin Johnson showed well, especially downfield. Mike Williams, I think, showed pretty well downfield as well. You talk about not really getting a lot of separation. Quentin Johnson, again, I think he's I think he's okay. But I, I, look, if you're going to get me a downfield guy, um, can we at least get me also like a, a, a downfield, like contested catch guy? You know, I, I don't see that in Quentin Johnson's no. game. You know, yeah. this guy's got to get open. Um, and, and like he can try, I think he's got good ball tracking skills. Uh, but again, he's not like a natural hands catcher. He kind of sort of, again, catches kind of sort of like Mike Williams, where he like uh, does a little body catching even downfield, you know? So I just saw a little redundancy here and I didn't love the pick. Yeah, I understand that. And I, and I think they're one of these teams that doesn't do small receivers sort of like the Packers a little bit. Packers are a little bit more open to it, but like, yeah. You know, Keenan Allen's still a pretty big receiver, um, despite yeah. being like a, a route runner, you know, uh, and obviously he's a huge he's, guy for, for slot. I mean, if you he, stick him inside, he's a huge slot guy, uh, but I and mean, he's also been around there. Outside. He's also yeah. been around there forever. I think b- before the pre the current GM, but like, yeah, Mike Williams, big receiver, 
Josh yep. Palmer, big receiver, Quinton Johnson, big receiver. It's pretty clear they value size at the position. Maybe, maybe, maybe right. more than they should. Um, I, and the, I guess my other problem here too, with Quentin Johnson, um, is you talk about development, you know, it's like, I look at this team and they've got to win now. Um, mm-hmm. they've got a, a veteran, uh, defense that if they can still, again, we talk about the chargers and health, but if, if they can stay healthy, um, this is a team that I think defensively has got all the pieces, right? You, you're talking about Joey Bosa, Sante Samuel, uh, Khalil Mack still in the fold, right? Like. I don't know what the hell's going on with JC Jackson, but can he stay healthy? Derwin James is there and he's obviously struggled with health as well. So I think they've got the pieces really to, to make a move now, you know, and I I think I I felt like they just needed a ready-made player um, on the offensive side of the football that again, primarily gave them speed, but was ready to play today. I I would have loved to see them kind of wait, on wide receiver and take a Jalen Hyatt in the second round. If you want to reach, I know Hyatt went in the third, but if you want to reach and get that speed in the second, I don't think anyone, if they took Jalen Hyatt in the second round, I don't think anyone would have blamed him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I don't think that Hyatt's any more ready to play from day one than Quinton Johnson is. I think that though, I do like, um, you know, Daniel Jeremiah has talked about this a lot that like, there's no more point in like, especially for these teams in the AFC West, like, who cares what your defense looks like? You need to outscore the chiefs. You're not going to stop Mahomes. Like, okay. so you need to outscore these teams. And I think like, okay, let's spend a premium resource on a guy that be- best case scenario is our number three receiver this year. I, I think mm-hmm. that makes sense because, and it hasn't been like on paper. It's like, okay, what is people complain about what Justin Herbert has around him? I think a lot of it is we've done. We've talked about the offensive, you know, coordinator and the offensive play calling of the previous coach. Right. But it's, it's also like, oh yeah, on paper, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen's a declining player, but like is still probably a fringe number one receiver. Mike Williams, I think is a really good two. And they have Austin Eckler to catch like 90 plus passes every single year if they want him to. It's like, <laughs> right. okay, well what is, he doesn't really need for, but it's, it's when these guys like Williams, who's had struggles staying healthy. Allen obviously had issues hamstring all last year. The, the drop off then from those guys is extreme. Um, is. So I think, Quinton Johnson, probably an ideal situation, is going to play a lot as a rookie, but if everybody else stays healthy, these other guys will out-target him by quite a bit as a rookie. But he'll bring playmaking ability when they throw to him, both from, like, I think a little more downfield juice than you're giving him credit for, but especially in the yak game. Yeah, I think that's true, too. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, they, they need a yak guy. And again, I, I don't want to take away from his downfield ability because I do think he's good downfield. Um, it's just that I don't think he's... Uh, I don't know, man. Like it's hard to judge these Big Twelve players too. Uh, yeah, downfield. yeah, yeah. Look, you know, look. He has, he does have big bust risk. I, I don't want to, and I think if you, if you listen to our pre-draft discussion about him, you would know that. You know, I, I think I, I said that his profile is the number one. Like you must read this profile. Like, don't just look <laughs> at the route chart. Don't just look at the success yeah. rate versus man. Don't just look at the success rate versus zone. Like, take right. it all in together because I do think that like. And it's it's Christian Watson is the place the player comparison that I gave him like a limited application, limited route, um, you know portfolio. But like he's gonna rip you on those limited routes potentially. But there's also there's also a lot of risk with the player with this profile. So I I sure. don't want to shy away from that. Um, but I do think if not, they're not gonna throw him out there and be like we're throwing you 120 targets this year, from Johnson, <laughs> which, right, I right. which I think is good for him. Which I think is good for him. Right, right. I agree with that. All right, so let's get out of the first round here. Uh, and I want to talk Jonathan Mingo, 
there in Carolina. Obviously, they go Bryce Young with uh, the 1.1. Uh, and Jonathan Mingo's got some serious after-the-catch ability. This is a big boy, man. 220 pounds. He ran a 4.46.40. He had a 39-inch, 39-and-a-half-inch vertical. I mean, when you say athlete, this is this guy checks all the boxes. 220 pounds running a, a sub-4.45 with a nearly a 40-inch vertical? I mean, come on, dude. This is That is a big boy there in Carolina. And now he gets to team up with Bryce Young and Frank Reich. Yeah, no, I, I love, I said all along, what I want the Panthers to do is one Oh one quarterback, you know, and then ended up being Bryce Young. Um, and then at the 39th pick, earmark that for a receiver, just like Joe Burrow, T Higgins was the, the comparison I made for it. They ended up doing that with Jonathan Mingo. And I, I like Jonathan Mingo a lot. You know, I just talked about it with Quinton Johnston, don't just look at the route chart and there, mm-hmm. man, this is, it's driving me nuts. Like the color readers on, on, on Twitter. Like I get it. There's some red on Mingo's chart, but like read the profile, please. I, I please subscribe to the site and, and don't just look at, don't just color count like oh, five red routes to five green. Like, <laughs> read the profile, please. Okay. I, I know right. I, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm calling you out if you're doing it. Cause if you read Mingo's profile, you would you would see that I really like this player in the right role, and I don't think, as I explained on the the pre draft podcast, like I don't think he was playing in the right role in college because I think he's more of a big slot receiver, more of a guy that you're going to use in, in as a power slot type as opposed to an outside perimeter receiver, which is what he was in college. So, yeah, his I said it before, his success rates are very very similar to Amon Ross St. Brown from a reception Which is so odd, standpoint. by the way. That's just so odd. <laughs> you well, know what I, mean? Like, I mean, just two completely different body types, man. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, St. Brown's kind of a no, – he's not like quite yeah, – I mean, he's not – no, he's not as big as old uh, – as Jonathan Mingo, but he's six foot, 203. It's not like he's a tiny, tiny dude. It's true. Um, it's true. But he – and he, I would still put him in the power slot you know, category, right. Which is right. what I think Mingo's best position is. And at USC, I'm on Ross St. Brown. The year I charted him for reception perception was playing outside on 70% of his snaps. And then Jonathan Mingo, again, he was a 65% outside player uh, outside on the left, 65% guy. And so where he's successful, the routes he's successful on, you know, slants, curls, flats, a lot of that I think is, is similar to St. Brown. Like that's, I put their route charts out on Twitter side by side because I think like, okay, you want to talk about the route chart. This is what the route chart for this guy turned out to be. And if you just get him in the right role, it can really be great. And you mentioned the yak stuff with Mingo's awesome. Um, oh, you know, he went down on first oh, contact on just 44% of his in space plays. He's combative. He's aggressive after the catch plays bully ball. He plays bully ball in the air too. One is one seventy five percent of his contested targets love what Mm -hmm. he does as a blocker which i think is going to be key in that power slot role they're going to want to spring miles sanders on some big runs out of 11 personnel mingo is going to be a part of that i I think mingo could be the best most productive player on the pan like receiver on the panthers this year um if he's in the right role Uh, i like this pick a lot I, i liked it a lot for carolina it was probably higher than i think a lot of people expected mingo to go but it's been pretty clear once like coaches started getting involved in watching film they saw the potential of Mingo beyond the college production. And I think saw a lot of what I, what I saw in his RP profile. I mean, you talk about being so 
you know, active this off season, uh, a transform, a potentially transformative year, I think for Carolina, right? Because, okay. So you, you get your potentially, you know, franchise quarterback in Bryce young, you bring in a brand new coaching staff, offensive minded, uh, coaching staff that has had a proven record track record of success, uh, in the NFL, you bring in Miles Sanders, a, a proven commodity at the running back position. Now, at the wide receiver spot, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't necessarily love spending money on Adam Thielen and DJ Chark. Um, but again, we're talking about, you know, uh, especially Thielen, you know, a, a veteran presence there in the wide receiver room. It's starting to look a little bit to me like Adam Thielen, Jonathan Mingo, a one-two combination there. And maybe Chark uh, will play outside as well and, and, and try to get some um, outside separation. But Mm. Uh, I, I, yeah, it, that's, that's a little rough, right? So if we're talking 11 personnel, I, does it feel a little crowded with Adam Thielen and Jonathan Mingo? If you're, if you're thinking that is a one, two combination there. I think that you're looking at Adam Thielen as your flanker. You're looking at Jonathan Mingo as your slot and you're looking at DJ Chark or Terrace Marshall. Like I, I think that if Terrace Marshall, who I'm, I've you know not been a big fan of in the NFL, his reception perception profile from a rookie standpoint was one of the worst ever sampled. Not okay. good, you know. Like, right. but I think there's a chance that if he comes to camp and impresses this staff, it's still the GM who drafted him is still there, Scott Fitterer. Mm-hmm. Like he could he could be he could out, he could beat out DJ Chark. I think their games are very very similar. I think there's a zero percent chance Terrace Marshall or, or DJ Chark are on the field at the same time. Um, yes. So I think, but Frank Reich apparently likes DJ Chark a lot. He's targeted him in the past, allegedly, whatever. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, I, I think and, that's probably. And again, they, they target him in the in free agency as well, mm-hmm. right? So like you know, you figure this is a coaching staff brand new. Uh, they're going to try to go get their guys. I mean, it, it seems as if DJ Chark might be one of their guys. Now again, I, they didn't give him big money or anything, but so they could easily just say, okay, well, he's not our guy, but. Um, but I don't know. Just given the profile, Matt, and, and I know that you're saying Mingo's role will be best suited to be a power slot. But I just wonder, I just wonder if the Carolina coaching staff agrees with you. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I will see. I will see what he, what he ends up being for them. I, I'm curious because I think they do probably run a good bit of 11 personnel. Um, you know, it's like not necessarily, they have Hayden Hurst. By the way, it's, it's crazy. You, you mentioned like the amount of trend, like new coaching staff. Mm-hmm. The amount of like turnover that's happened for the Panthers in the last 365 days is nuts. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Week one, week one of last year, their leading passer is obviously Baker Mayfield. Their leading rusher is Christian McCaffrey. Their first leading receiver <laughs> is Robbie, now chosen Anderson. And then right. their second leading right. wide receiver is DJ Moore. None of those players are on the team. You even just look at um, their, the, and then week the final week of the season, week 18, their leading passer, aye, 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 for 43 yards, Sam Darnold. Their leading Ooh. rusher is Chuba Hubbard, but Donta Foreman was only behind by one yard. Their leading receiver is Terrace Marshall, and the second leading receiver is DJ Moore. Like, Terrace Marshall is the and Chuba Hubbard are the only guys still on the team from all of the names I just mentioned. Like, Wild. new running back, Miles Sanders, new tight end in Hayden Hurst, all new receiver core. Um, and Terrace Marshall and Chuba Hubbard might not even play. Like they're probably, they might not even make the team. You never know. So um, even the backup nuts. running back. So like you talk about CMC, then Deontay Foreman is he's gone, gone. right? Like, yep. yep. It's, it's crazy. 
it's just the, yeah, the amount of turnover is insane, but yeah, I think it remains to be seen, I guess what Carolina thinks Jonathan Mingo's role is. And um, we'll have to follow the, the progress in the off season and see what that, what that means. But I, I kind of tend to think that they will, they'll view him as, as not an X receiver, at least maybe somebody that plays in two, right. two receiver sets. He'll play as a flanker, be a big, cause he, he will add a lot as a blocker. Like, um, yeah, I think he'll add a lot as a blocker, which will matter a lot for him being on the field in two receiver sets. Okay, how about there in Green Bay, Jaden Reed? Uh, this is a, a player out of Michigan State, um, and you love this oh, guy. Baby. You know, I, I read the I read the profile uh, on Jaden Reed, and um, and to be honest with you, I didn't know a ton about Reed uh, coming into this whole you know pre draft process. But uh, but after you chart him, you've got some really nice things to say about this young man. I love Jordan Reed, man. I, I couldn't believe he went. I was so, well, I didn't say I couldn't believe. I was so happy that he was the sixth receiver off the board. Um, I thought he might be a third round pick. Um, okay. He was, I think, my receiver f- six, maybe in the in this class, I think, if you look back at the stacked rankings. Um, I, I love this player. Number one in the class, 87th percentile success rate versus press, 77.8%. 70% success rate versus man and a, a really, really good route runner. And I think shows you signs of being a really good contested catch player too. Um, God, he fits well in green Bay, you know, uh, a, a guy that they've typically drafted over six foot over 195 pounds. Uh, allegedly yep. Reed is 195 pounds. Now I think he was 187 pounds at the combine. So the Packers coaching staff was probably like, Hey, do us a favor and uh, drink some water and, Maybe go to Chipotle a couple times before <laughs> before you do the, the team weigh in, yeah. so that we can say yeah, we yeah, stuck yeah. to our pre draft, uh, you know, measurable stuff. But if not, man, that's an even bigger sign that they they love this Jordan Reed guy. So, I look, I I know this might be a hot take, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a better player than Christian Watson long term, um, because Watson's reception perception data as a rookie, it's um. By the way, if you're, I'll tell you now, you know that's the next drop. It's coming on May eighth. Is the Ayo. second year player. Let's go. You can start seeing. You can start seeing some of these guys populate the sortable tables if you're a uh, if you're a prime or sicko member on the site. Love it's it. fine. He's not a he's not a great technician. He's not a true sep- full field separator. It's nine routes. It's post routes. It's crossing routes, and that's the Christian Watson game. But I think J- Jaden Reed might be a more full field route runner. So if he ends up emerging as the Packers' best catch pass catcher by the end of the year, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that because of how good he is technically, how refined he is, and I mean, again, he went in the second round. Christian Watson went in the second round. Like, I think that he could end up being the number one. And then, um, honestly, I think Christian Watson is like a volatile but really good vertical number two receiver. is probably his best role long term. So, I, I know you love the guy. When I watch this guy play, Jaden Reed out of Michigan State, I, I see a player um, that can kind of sort of play everywhere, um, mm-hmm. but doesn't ha- isn't like a specialist anywhere. Uh, is, is that, uh, is that a, a fair... I don't know, I guess, analysis of his game. Um, and if he is special somewhere, where is he going to be special? Yeah, I think that's a really good assessment of his game because he, uh, much like what we talked about with Zay Flowers, you see him line up a little bit of everywhere. Um, he was deployed on the line for 47.6% of his snaps in the game sample per reception perception, 52% off the line, 38 mm-hmm. at outside right, 30% outside left in the slot for 26%. So you get reps of him at slot flanker X. I think he could end up playing in any of those positions, which is a nice fit in green Bay. Cause I'm still not, is Christian Watson an X receiver? Is he more of like an off ball flanker, which is where they made a hmm. lot of really good use of him last year is um, Romeo Dobbs an X receiver. I, I think, right. re, you know, I, I don't know. I, so I think Reed 
being either their slot flanker or X is, 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 is exciting. I don't know that he's special anywhere, but he's really rock solid as a route runner, really rock solid as a contested catch player. I think he's like two tweaks away from being really fantastic in either area, but he's got the potential to get there. And I think that's why I ended up giving him a Terry McLaurin comp. Cause I think McLaurin mm. is coming into the NFL was like a really rock solid route runner, really rock solid contested catch player. And then as he's developed, he's like, I mean, you know, I think he's like an elite receiver, Terry McLaurin. Yes. You just haven't had the quarterback right. play to, to get there. So that's like the ceiling comp. You know, I've seen other people hit him with the Stefan Diggs stylistic comp, Jordan Reed. I mean, Jaden Reed, I think that's um, that's the axis of receiver we're talking about, which frankly, Green Bay just hasn't had lately. They've had a lot of like big lumbering guys. That, obviously, Christian Watson's a high-end athlete. Romeo Dobbs yeah. is more of a big lumbering guy. Yeah. Um, Alan Lazard was definitely a big lumbering guy. Uh, so yeah, I think that like, he really stands out in recent Packers receiver history. I, look, he's not as big, but I, I see I see a little bit of Doug Baldwin uh, in Jaden mm. Reed's game. You know, he's a little little angrier of a player. You know, when he's on the field, and again, he's not as big or as physical, um, obviously, um, as uh, as Doug Baldwin. But uh, I see a little bit of his game. Uh, and again, we talk about a guy that could play inside outside, right? Like uh, Doug Baldwin w- was certainly that dude. Um, by the way, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Romeo Dobbs just gets passed over yeah. by Jaden Reed, right? I mean, you match up, if you line up the draft capital and everything, and it's like, I, I don't know, it, it seems to, to line up, you know, maybe they put Christian Watson and Jaden Reed as their two starting wide receivers and Romeo Dobbs works in, uh, in 11 personnel and they kind of sort of just move Jaden Reed all over the football field. I, I could see that. I think that's an absolutely distinct possibility in green Bay. I mean, look, shoot, if I'm telling you that I think he might be the Packers best receiver, I, you know, that he might be better than Christian Watson, Jaden Reed. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that, yeah, he could be better than, than Romeo Dobbs, but right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of potential on this depth chart and like for, for folks out there doing dynasty drafts, go to the dynasty rankings on the site. I put a pretty big, like, we're making a bet, baby, on Jordan Reed. Like we're, I mean, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Reed. We're making a pretty big bet on Jaden yeah. Reed uh, here. Like I'm very, very, very high on him. I and I think he will go because he's not an early declare and all this other stuff. He's gonna go late in your dorky dynasty spreadsheet rookie drafts. And I'm, I'm telling you, I think he's gonna be good. I think he's gonna be a really good player. The dorky spreadsheet dynasty draft. All right. <laughs> <laughs> With that, I think the, the show's done. All right. <laughs> Let's, uh, <laughs> well, it's not going to get any better than the that. Show. <laughs> it's, not, it's really not. Man. That's great. I love it. All right, listen, we're running a little long, so we got to get out of here. But we're going to come right back tomorrow, uh, talk about some guys, uh, again, that did not go in the first couple of rounds here. You know, hey, listen, we'll, we'll talk Marvin Mims. We'll talk Tank Dell, Jalen Hyatt, Rasheed Rice to the Chiefs. Uh, players that, uh, again, what are their roles uh, on their respective teams and where can they excel? Where might they fail? Uh, we're going to discuss that all starting tomorrow. So, again, for our loyal listeners out there, man, it's a double episode week here on Reception Perception. But for now, we got to step away. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you.